It's the week before Thanksgiving, and Tommy and Jimmy are hunting in the bare grass woods for a turkey. Hey, hey, Jimmy, why, why aren't we doing this again? Well, we, we want a fresh turkey. Well, what was wrong last year? Last year, you took a frozen turkey and you blew it up in the deep fryer. Uh, yeah, that was kind of bad. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and see about catching a turkey this year. Hey, wait a minute, I thought you were bringing little Tommy with us this year. Yeah, he's he's rehearsing for his little Thanksgiving play there at the school. Oh, really? Is he playing a pilgrim or a Native American? Uh, neither. He's playing a guardian. A guardian? Yeah. Welcome to Baseball Biz, and happy Thanksgiving, and happy Goofy Gobbler Day. I'm Mark Carpenter, your host, and with me today, of course, is none other than Mr. Brandon Noway. How you doing today, Brandon? Mark, I'm doing great. It's Goofy Gobbler season again, finally. It's, it feels like we just did it last year, and, and we made up nice. Look at us in our suits and our, our slick back hair. Yeah, I, I had to rent this tux, okay? So, <laughs> but <laughs> it is what it is. But you and I have been doing this now for three years, man. The, the Goofy Gobbler is it's one of our most uh, popular episodes, and it's one of the ones I certainly enjoy doing quite a bit. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I remember when we started, we were thinking, like, we want to do something like kind of fun for Thanksgiving and the holidays, because in case you don't know, we were doing this for in college, and the semester was coming to an end. They were going to kick us out. So we wanted, <laughs> like, a big way to do a finale, and we combined our two shows together, and the goofy gobbler was born and there it was <laughs> that was a blast man i enjoyed doing it that was that was pretty cool and each year it seems like it gets better and better or it just seems like that baseball gives us more to talk about whether we want to know about it or not <laughs> it's a it's a mix of both oh gosh i know i mean you and i we've had plenty of great candidates for the turkey of the year award and we we're going to hear from some folks uh at least got some quotes and from people who uh, are going to be participating as well. Uh, I know you've sp spoken to some people and uh, let's see who we had. Oh yeah. Some former guests who've been on the show, Sarah Sanchez from at bleed cubby blue. She's got that Chicago podcast going on there. You can reach Sarah at BCB Sarah S A R. So that's BCB is in bleed cubby blue Sarah S A R. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see who else we're going to have on the show. Oh, Nick Morowski from good guys talk back with the white Sox and his podcast. And you can find Nick also at with the at G G T B good guys talk back. There you go. And uh, Jesse Friedman uh, sent us some insights too, on what's going on with the diamondbacks. And there we go. <laughs> I thought good, good guys talk back was the blue Jays. No, 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 no. You're, you're thinking of Brent Cardi with the Cardi show. Uh -oh. And, my bad. I, yeah, I get my names confused. No, no, no. And, and see, uh, Murawski, what he did, him and his uh, other uh, co-host, whose name escapes me, sorry. <laughs> the the good guys talk back. What that actually is, he told me it's based on the White Sox when they first started wearing those black uniforms and it's good guys wear black. So <laughs> they took the good guys wear black and made good guys talk back the name of their podcast. And, I like it. Yeah, yeah. And and Jesse Freeman, like I said, with the D-backs, so you can find him at PHNX underscore D-backs at PHNX underscore D-backs. Okay, enough plugging, but I really do want to say thanks on this Thanksgiving show to those and all the rest of you who participated in adding your comments 
on the Turkey of the Year Award. But, but before we get cracking into that, man, we, we got to take a look at some of the news because here we are, the fall classic has come and gone. And what happens after that? Well, all the little elves that are agents are coming and talk, out talking to their teams. They're talking to their players and they're trying to work up deals. But we're looking at the hot stove. Let's get it fired up for the Thanksgiving dinner. Are you ready, Brandon? I'm ready. All right, brother. Well, we brought all the ingredients and looking at the hot stove, what's cooking up first? What's one of the first deals? Well, one of the first ones I saw was, uh, I guess, last week, man. And it came from an agent. Let's see. Uh, his name's Elmo. This was Sesame Street. What is this? Oh, oh yeah. He announced that uh, Jeff Passan uh, was signing <laughs> a multi-year extension with uh, ESPN. So, Elmo, thanks for that input. And Jeff, glad to hear you're going to be with them yet longer. I don't think he uh, disclosed what Jeff might be making, but there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm glad Jeff's staying around. I like He seems to have like a sneaky, good, dry sense of humor. He does. I like him, and I like him a lot better than that other fellow uh, who's making God knows what <laughs> these days at ESPN. You know who I'm talking about. But uh, looking at a quote from Passon, he said, Quote, there's no better place to cover the incredible breadth of stories the sports world has to offer than ESPN. And I'm giddy to know I'll be here for several years to come, said Passon. And he said, uh, let's see what else. Our baseball team is filled with bright and talented reporters, analysts, editors, and producers. And it's our goal on a daily basis to make the readers and viewers of ESPN think, think, learn, and emerge more informed. <laughs> oh, I'm so that glad a, to a mission statement. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's it. But uh, let's see, his agent uh, almost said that he still has some other key players that he'll be entering in the free agent market. And uh, he hinted a big bird might be amongst them. So we'll see. Oh, okay. I don't know what's going on Sesame Street, but getting into the real world of what's happening um, on the hot stove. I know you were looking at a couple of things here. Yeah, we already had the hot stove. It's kicking off. It seems earlier than usual, but it's that time of year again. And we actually had our first free agent pitcher signing. This was not the first pitcher I saw. Andrew Heaney. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. If not, I apologize. He's signing an eight and a half million dollar for the 2022 season with the Dodgers. And that's, from what they're saying on here, that's actually very interesting because last year he posted a 583 ERA with the Yankees and the Angels. And with the Yankees, he had a 732 ERA after being traded Ooh. that they stopped putting him on the mound. And he threw seven and two thirds innings in September total. So that, that's kind of an interesting deal. A lot of money for a guy that was basically told, please don't pitch for us. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah, that that is a curious but I'm I'm looking to see what forward to see what those Dodgers are going to look like this year anyway because they had a pitcher they were paying a lot of money who just wasn't going to make it. So yeah, you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about that guy who has his own blog and who's been in court quite a bit this year. But let's forget about that. What what else is happening? <laughs> oh gosh, besides Mr. Heaney, what else you got there, Brandon? Yeah, well, we've had another free agent pitcher sign on to a new team. And this was actually the first guy I saw a few days ago. Eduardo Rodriguez is signing a five-year, $77 million deal with the Tigers. Wow. 
and he has the ability to opt out after two years. And, and this is all courtesy of MLB.com. I just want to throw that out there. And he's coming off a year where he had an ERA of 474 for the Red Sox. And that's actually pretty good considering he did not pitch in 2020 because of COVID-19. He was an opt-out. So I think that this could be a pretty good pickup for the Tigers who they, they surprised people a little bit last year. Yeah, you know, I was glad to see A.J. Hinch landed somewhere between him and Cora after all the big spectacle. And to see him, I think he's going to be able to guide this team to, you know, better, even more success. And having Erod as part of that team is going to be part of it. Yeah, and I haven't really, like, heard anything official on it or, like, big topics about it, but I listen to a show up in Detroit a lot, and they're throwing around the idea that with A.J. Hinch being there, there's a possibility they could try and go after Correa this offseason. And Ooh. I don't know how much of a possibility that is or how much the Tigers want to spend because we know they can't spend. They've done it before, but <laughs> that could be a, a fun topic to watch. He certainly has a relationship with Hintz from back in the Astro days. So that would be – I would love to see that. I'd love to see where some of these guys go. All righty. Let's see. I'll take a stab at a couple here. Oh, Noah Syndergaard, man. He, all right. First, let me ask you this. Before we get into this, do you th- do you see more multi-year or one-year uh, contracts? You think in the future for uh, MLB? Ooh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I that's- feel maybe that the teams will want to do the shorter deals. Like I won't say all of them want to do one years, but maybe like three or four-year deals. I don't think they're going to want to do like the ten-year deals like they've been throwing around the last two years. Because I mean, we've kind of seen that the back end of those don't really work out for them. Well, in that vein that we're seeing here, uh, that's the case with Noah Syndergaard's new contract. He signed a a one-year agreement with the Angels, and he's going to be collecting about $21 million in 2022. Uh, So that's going to be interesting to see how he does there. Let's see. He's received a $18.4 million. Yeah, $18.4 million offer from the Mets last week. But – Basically, his agreement with the Angels pretty much made that a rejection on that offer. Let's see. Uh, da, da, da. The Angels will forfeit their second. This is from MLB Trade Rumors, by the way. It says, Syndergaard received an $18 million qualifying offer from the Mets last week, and his agreement with the Angels effectively amounts to rejecting that offer. As such, the Angels will forfeit their second highest selection in next year's draft. Woof. The Mets, meanwhile, will receive a compensatory draft pick after the completion of competitive balance round B. Okay, well, so that's that's interesting. And you think Madden's been out there for a couple of years now with the Angels. And there's some expectations. I mean, you got Mike Trout. You've got the king of baseball, Shohei Otani. You know, the man who says what when he say D.H.? I don't need no DH, <laughs> but uh, uh, Alex Cobb and Iglesias out there. So with Syndergaard, that'd be, that's a pretty good dig on the uh, lineup, man, as far as rotating your pitchers around. And and don't forget, they have Anthony Rendon, on, unless I missed something and they got rid of him, but he's still no. out there as well. No, you're absolutely right. And that's, that's going to be a major play. So I'm really curious to see what the Angels do next year. But let's, let's take another jump. Let's go ahead and jump all the way across the country and actually up north to the Canada and the Blue Jays. And this is also courtesy of MLB trade rumors, Jose Barrios, man, there he is. 
going to see what happens with him. You know, and this was smart. They, they took this guy and they said, we're going to give you a seven year agreement, 131 million contract extension with, uh, with him. Let's see. That's what the, according to this, his contract will cover the 20,022 to 28 seasons. And that's still pending a physical. So this, this is actually what taking him through arbitrations extension. It's not just like, Hey, we're bringing in a new teammate or your free agent. They're actually nailing down, having this guy there. And it's a smart move. He's done a lot for the team. The, the blue Jays were outstanding this past year. Uh, I was dumbfounded, I guess, that that didn't really go further, you know, into the postseason. But I really anticipated seeing that. I think Barrios will help carry them there in the future. And and look again, who do you have rotating in with him? You've got Robbie Ray, you've got Ryu, you've got Alec Manoa, and there's others whose names escape me. The Blue Jays got a solid, solid pitching game there. Yeah, and I remember we talked a couple months ago about the Blue Jays and what could be their possible struggles if you, if you want to go back and listen to that. But they're, I, I think they could be a very good team. Now, it all depends on what Robbie Ray does. I believe he's a free agent this offseason as well. So that I is Simeon. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Having those, those guys come back, I think that would be a big boost to the whole roster. And Barrios, unless I'm getting everything mixed up, they got him in the, at the trade deadline. And that was somebody who I remember the Rays, I wanted them to go after because, I thought that they needed pitching and he ended up going to Toronto. And even though it didn't work out really this year, they're saying, Hey, you know, we made the trade. Let's try it again next year. And for the years after that, and just see what happens. I remember you saying that. <clears throat> pardon, I remember you saying that about Barrio. So that's uh, <laughs> your eyes caught that talent early on. So I'm curious to see how he continues to do. And the Blue Jays is kind of volatile there. You, you think of all the free agents they have right now. And we were talking about semi in there a moment as well. So, I'm curious to see how it plays out, but you know, we're looking here at the hot stove and I got to wonder if uh, the burners are going to be put down on low because December 1st is the deadline on the CBA. That's right, folks. The collective bargaining agreement between major league baseball and the major league baseball players association, they have to have be in agreement and have a new agreement signed by December 1st, or there probably won't be any baseball, you know, I, I guess it could run a little later than that, but they could be turning the stove down real low. Yeah, and and we don't really want that, but that would give us plenty to talk about here on the show. But I, I was talking; we were talking the other day, and I told you I'd heard some chatter about people saying that this year's free agency could sort of be like you know how the NBA, NHL, NFL is. Yeah, where basically it doesn't drag out over the whole off season. It's basically in like this one little window where it all just like happens at once. And that's probably more because of the CBA expiring than anything else. Yeah. And we can talk a little bit about that too, maybe on a goofy gobbler part of the show here, which will be coming up shortly. And uh, one other thing I wanted to add to, as far as looking at free agents, I reached out to Jesse Friedman, who's a writer and podcaster about the Arizona Diamondbacks. You can find him at Jesse J E S S E the letter N and then Friedman F R I E D M A N at Jesse and Freeman on Twitter. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Also uh, at PHNX underscore D backs. Wow. He, uh, I said, Hey, you know, what's, what's going on, man? How's the free agency? What, what's going to be hit, hitting with the diamondbacks? I heard they were declining. He said, cause uh, Cole Calhoun. And he said, 
Well, he said, yeah, Cole Calhoun's only played about 50 games last year. <clears throat> Pardon me. And he had a sub 700 OPS. He says, you're not going to pay $9 million for that. <laughs> uh, he says, they're sitting around 80 million right now as a team. Last year, they opened at 96 million in payroll. And I think they'll probably spend 10 to 15 million total. So I guess meaning more. Most of that is going to the bullpen. Possibility they'll round out that roster depth with a veteran or two. So it'll be interesting to see how they do because I've, I've always had an eye on, on uh, Cole Calhoun, but uh, it looks like he, he might not be there, I mean, at least not for the price that he may be asking. What about Bumgarner? Is he going to still be there? I don't know, man. I should have asked him about that. I don't, I don't have anything about – you'd want to keep that arm. <laughs> you'd want to definitely keep that arm. Okay, so let's turn it down the, the stove a bit and let's take a look at the appetizers. As far as appetizers, it's been crazy as far as uh, <laughs> awards week. I mean, one award after another is coming out there. We've had Silver Slugger. We've had, oh my gosh, you know, MVPs everywhere. Um, but this week, there's been some slowly re released out by the Baseball Writers Association of America. <laughs> and uh, a couple of them came out. One was the Rookie of the Year Award. There's always some question about who that should be and what constitutes a rookie. You know, <clears throat> pardon me, is it age? Is it number of years that you've been in uh, MLB? Is it the number of uh, innings that you've played as a, a player at the, you know, it's a major league level? There's a, quite a bit of brouhaha about the AL uh, Rookie of the Year, and that went to None other than Mr. Randy Rosarina. You look at who was there. There was Randy Rosarina. And then there was Wander Franco, who really only played for part of this year. Yeah, and so between Rosarina, Wander Franco, and then Mr. Houston Astro, Luis Garcia, Mr. Rockababy. You know, I love watching that man pitch. It, it's it's almost, almost hypnotic. He kind of rocks back and forth before he gets it out there. So those three guys were the ones who were candidates for it. And let's see, um, Rosarina won it. Wow. Looking here at the results, what the writers came up with. Rosarina had 22 first place votes. And Garcia had two first place votes and Franco as well. Ryan Montcalso came down and he didn't down the list looking as far as second place votes. He got two. So I think people see the value there. There's a lot of questions. I think some folks have said, well, he hasn't been there very long, has he? Or rather, <laughs> he has been in baseball. But, you know, as far as breaking down what a rookie is, he meets that qualification. So um, get over it. <laughs> uh, There's so many people who were saying, well, you know, you should have been this, that, and the other. And I, said, I said, come on. I, on my Twitter feed, should have a whiner alert when some of these people want to cry and boo-hoo-hoo about their guy not <laughs> getting it. So congratulations to Randy Rosarina. We love him. He's, he's exciting to watch, and he's definitely deserving to have the rookie of the year in the American league. If we go to the national league, the see top three, I believe for that were Jonathan India from Cincinnati, Trevor Rogers with Miami and Dylan Carlson. So those were the three guys being considered there. Uh, some other ones, I guess, who came lower than that was people like Ian Anderson from Atlanta. So you're always going to question who, 
who's going to get there. But it was interesting to see Jonathan India. He did get it. And if you want to talk about a solid selection, when you fear there's 30 votes that can be selected for first place, 29 of those first place votes went to Jonathan India. Yeah, that's going to be pretty impressive if you get pretty much every possible voter almost unanimous for a rookie of the year. I think that that says something. Absolutely. And he's exciting to watch. I'm going to be interested to continue to watch him as well. During the ceremony, they got all these guys up on the screen and they go to India when they announce that he's the winner and he's got his family surrounding him and his father just kind of takes a pose, kind of pumps up there. And I forgot that his father was Mr. World in, I guess, the strength uh, contest years ago. So he's he's had a good strength coach for several years <laughs> as well. So congratulations to you, Jonathan. That's fantastic. And I'm sure all the Reds fans are glad to see you there as well. Then we had the manager of the year, Brandon. That was interesting because when I looked at the folks that were going to be there for the uh, American League, there was no surprise to see Dusty Baker there. I think Dusty may have already won this thing like three times. And Kevin Cash, you know, the guy who had it last year. Let's see, who was the other gentleman? Um, this year? Yeah, who was the third guy? Uh, Scott Survey. Scott Survey, yeah, from the, the Mariners. And he's had a tough year, but uh, they were looking at some of the things he did. One of them was how many times that the Mariners had won by one run. You know, the, he and they were saying they attribute a lot of that to a manager because it's his skill in selecting who's going to be where and pumping them up, I guess, to get that. But Cervasia, yeah, he, he was certainly a good, strong consideration. But it, for two years in a row, Mr. Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays did win this mantle. So I was very happy to see him in that position. I think a lot of that goes to somebody who had to do a lot with a little. And, and that's not to take anything away from all the players on the team because they, they do great. But to have a consistent pitching base was one of the, the hardest or most difficult things I would think to do. I think it was remarked that he had as many as 38 pitchers this year. That's not even counting Brett Phillips. Yeah, and I told you earlier, or yes, last night at least, I was kind of surprised that uh, A.J. Hinge didn't get any more consideration. And I don't think that he should have won it, but I thought he should have been talked about a little bit more just because of what he did. Because even though the Tigers, they went 77 and 85. Yeah. We thought they're going to be like a hundred lost team this year. And they, they brought up a bunch of their rookies. They're going to bring up even more over ne the next year or so. So what he did there was impressive in, in his first year. Then Scott survey. I mean, looking what he did in Seattle, how many times did we look at the standings and say, Oh wow, Seattle's still in the race. They just quietly did things. And I remember in the beginning of the year, I was like, it was like may or something. They were having, they brought up a lot of their rookies as well and they struggled. They just, they just couldn't perform. So they sent them back down and they went through all of that trouble. And like you said, with all the one run wins to still win 90 games is impressive. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about the number of wins that the Mariners achieved and survey did with that, it's not surprising that he also to see that cash was selected with a team that achieved 100 wins. And that's without glass. Now that's without. Rich Hill, that's without Snell. He had to take a lot of mix and matching, and he, he did a great job with that. So the wins do count as far as part of that. And I did see, I think, some numbers that like maybe 
Hinch came in like fifth or sixth on some of the polls as far as who was being selected. I think you're going to see next year. Next year, you may see Cora and you may see Hinch elevated in both of these. I don't, I won't say that either one of them will win it next year, but I think both of these gentlemen have an opportunity to shine a little more and, and be a candidate for manager of the year. Yeah, definitely. But then let's take a look as far as the National League. And when we see who won there, <laughs> it was another team that had a lot of wins. They had the most wins across MLB. We're talking about 107 wins last year, and that was with the Giants and the manager, Gabe Kepler. I was so, so happy to see him, you know, get that. I, 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 nobody, people looked at the Giants like they looked at the Red Sox at the beginning of this year. They said, they're not going to go anywhere. They're going to sit in the basement with their hands crossed. They're not going to, they're, it's not going to happen. Yeah. They'll be sitting very sharp period of time. The dugout, cause they're going to be on the field just as quickly because they're not going to be scoring anything, but man, Gabe Kepler gave some light to that uh, giants team and, and they achieved quite a bit with 107 wins. Yeah. I remember all or most of the off season into spring training, we thought it was going to be a race between the Dodgers and the Padres. We, we were right. There was a race. It was just the Dodgers and the giants. And, I mean, I thought that the Giants were just destined to be the third place team. And then they started off really hot. And I was like, you know, it's early. Let's see how they're doing at Memorial Day. They're still in first place. Fourth of July, they're still in first place. Before you know it, it's August. They're still in first place battling to win the division. Even though it went down to the the wire, they ended up winning 107 games. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was exciting to watch. I mean, I love that team and I love it. And, you know, one of my old favorites is still there, Longoria. But uh, Kepler even made mention when he won this, you know, about a bit. He and, he and Kevin Cash both about it being a, uh, a group effort. It was everybody from the front office to the bat boy, you know, who made a difference for these teams. I think that's always great when they're magnanimous like that. But uh, kudos to both of those guys. They both deserve that Manager of the Year award. I wonder what they're projected to win. I can try and find that quick. The Giants. Yeah, if you come up with it, go go ahead. I'll, I'll briefly talk about the awards that are coming tonight. And by the way, it's Wednesday, November seventeenth, folks. And tonight, the Cy Young Award winners will be announced. And if we look at who has been selected as who may be winning this in the American League, you got Garrett. I want to be a Yankee Co. Uh, Lance Lynn, White Sox man. These pants are tight. Ray with the Blue Jays. And uh, see, National League, Carbon Burns, who's with the Brewers, Max Scherzer, who played both with the Nationals and the Dodgers last year, and Zach Wheeler with the Phillies. So that'll be announced tonight on MLB Network around six o'clock. They do a show, so I'm really curious to see who that who will win those. I, I'm thinking, uh, I don't know, Garrett Co. I put in the backseat. I'm thinking Lance Lynn or, or Robbie Ray for the American League. Yeah, and going back to the Giants quick, yeah. according to NJ.com, their over-under total coming into the season for wins was 75 and a half. <laughs> and just comparison, the Rays were 86 and a half. So oh. I, I'd say that they outperformed if you bet the over. Yeah, that's, that's outstanding. So again, kudos to both of those guys. And for my Cy Young, I think I'd say Robbie Ray. I, from what I remember, he has more... 
He has more innings than Lance Lynn. I believe Lance Lynn only has about 150, 160, where Robbie Ray is closer to 200. Uh-huh. And I think that Garrett Cole, just over half the season, it felt like he was just pitching mediocre. He has like an ERA, I believe it's like four, 4.3, 4.2, somewhere in that range. It, it, it just, I don't think it was Cy Young worthy. No, he was, he's struggling this year, you know, and I think he'd probably be the first one to tell you that. I, so I think those Yankees, I think there was just kind of a bad aura around the whole thing this year. You know, they would do well, then they would do bad. You know, uh, let's, let's go ahead and fire, you know, Mr. Boone. No, let's keep him. And <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's tough. And I never, I don't, I don't have sympathy for some of these teams, but <laughs> I, I, it's, I, I get, uh, I get what's happening. And if we, we look uh, moving on to the National League as far as the Cy Young Award winners. We have three candidates, and that's Corbin Burns with the Brewers again, Max Scherzer, and Zach Wheeler. You got a favorite here? I didn't really watch much of the NL games as much as I would like, especially the Phillies. Mm-hmm. But from what I saw from Scherzer this year, I thought he was really good. So that may just be like an easy cop-out pick for me, but I, I think I'd go Scherzer. I think it's a good choice. I mean, and like you, I'm, I probably watch a lot more American League games than I have National League. Me, just on a whole fluke of not actually knowing enough about them, I'd pick Corbin Burns just because I love the Brewers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the Brewers did have a pretty good pitching staff this year. Yeah, they did, didn't they? I tell you. it's uh, We'll see how they come next year. I, I, who's coming to the table for the Goofy Gobbler Awards, man? That's that's it. So we've given you all the appetizers. We've served you up with the news on these free agents and what's going on in the hot stove. Brandon, let's get down to it, brother. It's time for the – Third annual 2021 Goofy Gobbly Goofy Gobbler Awards. <laughs> you had right. a little too many. Oh, brother. Yeah, I had a little bit too much of that cranberry sauce. Uh, <laughs> it was fermented. Uh, <laughs> oh, we've got a lot of ones here today. We have like the Dry Turkey Award, I think Shake and Bake, and Leaky Soap and a few others. Go ahead and roll us out of here, Brandon. What's happening with the, uh, the first award? What's the first Goofy Gobbler Award for the year? All right, the first award of this prestigious award ceremony that makes the Oscars jealous <laughs> of the Goofy Gobblers, the 2021 edition, is, of course, the dry turkey of the year. It makes its return. And if you, for reference, the dry turkey of the year award goes to the biggest disappointment. And when I'm putting this award together, I think of the scene from Christmas Vacation where they're about to carve the turkey and Everybody's like, it looks really good. And Cousin Eddie's like, save the neck for me, Clark. <laughs> and it, it looks good. And then he goes to cut it and then it's dry and it just rips open. And it's smoky. It, it's just a big disappointment. So with that being said, here are the nominees. Can move this over. Drum roll, please. The first nominee, the San Diego Padres. They gained excitement at the end of 2020 and had a big splash moves in the off season. And we were projecting them to make the NLCS. We were excited over that. But unfortunately, they lost the tingle and missed the playoffs going 79 and 83. Lost the tingle. Okay, man. I guess your <laughs> reference to Mr. Tingler there. I get it. I get it. Yeah, that, that was a sad showing for such high anticipation. I, I had them as my uh, National League team, man. Yeah, and another National League team. Our other NLCS dream matchup pick. The New York Mets, they had a new owner, Steve Cohen, his passion and fandom. We thought that would turn things around. Well, we were wrong. 
And as a YouTuber named Urinating Tree, he calls them LOL Mets, LOL Mets, where they basically just do stupid stuff to get in their way. And they did plenty of that as they lost two GMs to scandal. Players giving fans a thumb down for booing them. And they just went 77 and 85 after all that hope and thinking, th- thinking things would change. And unfortunately, it was just more of the same. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, definitely high expectations there. I, I felt like Steve Cohen was going to buy a, a win this year. And it's, it's still nuts there. Well, who else you got, man? Is there any other nominees? And the third and final nominee, we don't have to go very far. But the postseason Tampa Bay Rays, 162 regular season. They were the, the, the defending AL champs. They had a roster. Everybody was like, they can win it this year. But unfortunately, they needed pitching. They did nothing at the deadline. They traded away their second pitcher for a DH who did practically nothing in the postseason. And they lost in four games. And even though it's a best of five, that is still what I call a gentleman's sweep. <laughs> Are you ready for the winner of the Dry Turkey of the Year? Would you please let us know who is the winner of the Dry Turkey of the Year award? All right. Well, the goofy gobbler goes to the New York Mets. Ooh. All right. Yes, yes. All right. They won something this year. <laughs> so with a two thumbs down, they win the Dry Turkey of the Year award, the first award of this year's Goofy Gobbler. Wow. Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and take on the second one there, man. But I, I would have thought the postseason Rays had a close second on there, too. But that's that's pretty cool. <laughs> it was close, but just the Mets and everything around them, their, their major market, I, th- I feel that that just put them over the top in the end with the voters. It's Yeah, it's, it's been an ugly year. Uh, and speaking of ugly years, talk about the Shake and Bake Award coming up next. And last year, we put this out there in the first year, and it was, it was given to Astros – Jim Crane, because the whole idea with the Shake and Bake Award is you throw a lot of ingredients in there and you shake things up and you never know what you're going to get out there, Ricky Bobby. Uh, <laughs> but you know, Crane mixed up his messages and I felt like he devalued the whole thing with the Astros. His apology was weak. But this year, we're going to put a positive spin on the Shake and Bake Award. We're going to talk about somebody who came up with just the right ingredients, mix it all up and shook up everything they had around them and turned it into a World Series championship team. And I'm talking about Mr. Alex Anthopoulos, the GM for the Atlanta Braves. Kudos to you, Alex. I mean, here's the thing, man. If you want to see a difference, you've got to make this. You Sometimes you have to take a look at the ingredients that you're using. And, man, he did that by bringing in four new, you know, talented people after the All-Star game you know, to make a difference in that the, all that, that entire team, including Freddie Freeman, who'd been there for some time, did make a difference. So congratulations to Alex Anthopoulos and the Braves for that win. I, I can't complain about this award. I mean, I think it fits perfectly because everything that everything he put together worked out perfectly. He's he's kind of like a Gordon Ramsay out there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think he's shout, shouting and throwing plates and um, pans around, but he certainly is putting together a good team. And you've got to have good insight. You, you've got to have good judgment. And, you know, I, I look at him, and I think about our own uh, Eric Neander, some guys who can both make very good calls about who's going to help build their team. Next up, I'll hand it over to you. 
What do we got here, Brandon? Yes, we have a new category coming in for the 2021 ceremony, the Drunkle Award. Everybody has that annoying family member that has a few too many at dinner and does nothing but complain about stuff. And it's usually about stuff that nobody really cares, cares about. You know, everybody has one of those. All right. The 2021 Goofy Gobbler for the Drunkle Award goes to Scott Boris. None other than MLB's super agent called Tanking Cancer of MLB. And he said this year, quote, we saw this unfold to the detriment of teams that create a vast expense, planning and intellect and won over 100 games, saying the fan doesn't know who a team is until the deadline. Well, that's really how sports work in every single other sport. So, I mean, I don't know if, if he just doesn't watch other sports, but that's how it works. And it seems he wants good players that can help a team win should just stay in that bad situation and waste a year of their career, all in the name of preventing tanking. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, it's funny. Scott Boris didn't say much, but usually around the week when all the GMs are meeting in the winter, um, he has a few things to say. And this was, you know, one yet one more thing that just doesn't really jab. You know, it's there's a reason why he doesn't speak all the time. And I think this <laughs> this is probably it. So that's the Drunkle Award. And I, I'd say well earned by uh, Mr. Boris. But, uh, you know, he was, and I'll just stop there. <laughs> but I was thinking <laughs> in, in um, maybe we can put a little, award adjunct to that. And that could be the, I got the aunt Ruth award. Okay. And oh. yeah, this, this is actually an honorable mention. Aunt Ruth may be basing the Thanksgiving Turkey, by the way, this year I'm looking back, was it in June and, um, 93 year old Dr. Ruth, she was on Twitter, man. And this was during the whole scenario about what's happening with the sticky stuff and the foreign substances and all that. And she said on Twitter, Foreign substances may not be allowed in baseball, but in the bedroom, some added lubrication might be just <laughs> the thing needed to improve your sex life. Play ball. Uh, <laughs> my turkey's going to come back up for that. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's probably more than I needed. Sure. It's certainly more than <laughs> a 93-year-old psychiatrist or whatever she is, therapist oh. needed to share. But that's, that's wild. <laughs> oh, gosh. Going from, from Aunt Ruth based in the turkey, we, we're going to take a little jump here, and we're going to take a, to the Leaky Gas Award. And the Leaky Gas Stove Award, is that is what goes to the people who have the attitude of, quote, we'll just have to see what happens, unquote. <laughs> and that, that has been the mantra from a lot of agents and managers and teams about when either contracts are going to be signed when free agents are going to be signed or when a CBA will be put together. Anybody who just wants to say, we'll just have to see what happens. Well, the thing with, with the leaky gas stove award is guess what? It's going to happen when you least expect it and it may just blow up in all our faces. So if you don't maintain your leaky hot stove, <laughs> look out because you may be just like <laughs> our, our good boys, Jimmy and Tommy last year, trying to, deep fry a frozen turkey it just go boom when you least expect it we're, we're still finding debris in the trees from that incident yeah <laughs> so we'll see what happens uh oh my and and after that uh what's cooking that leaky, leaky gas stove award well something a little different some seasons you know some people have the traditional turkey and then some people say 
Well, that's not just enough. So we put together the Turducken Award, or, or some call it the Overstuffed Bird Award. And many of you probably already know a turducken is when you serve up a turkey, but let's, before you, you're finished with it, let's go ahead and instead of just stuffing, putting inside that, let's put a duck inside there. And then inside the duck, we'll put a chicken and we'll cook it all up together as one. So, <laughs> and just like the turducken, this award, it, it costs a lot to make, you know, it looks real pretty, but it really doesn't taste good. <laughs> and this award is going to the Yankees. Yes, the Yankees. Oh. <laughs> because here, here they are. They spent, I won't say how many dollars, but the, they're either the highest or second highest payroll with the, uh, between them and the Dodgers on money spent on payroll, and they still couldn't make it past the wild card game this year. You spend all that much money, your fans have an expectation that that turducken should be a little better than that. With the difficulties they had this year, Brandon, you know, I, I think some of them may have been eyeing up Broxy the turtle. You know, oh. was, yeah, yeah. I mean, could be if they can't afford a turkey after that turducken and uh, could be turtle soup. Oh. Well, he wasn't the good luck charm in the wild card round. <laughs> new, 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 new. Again, welcome and uh, thank you to the Yankees. <laughs> or I should say congratulations to the Yankees for winning the turducken. Goofy Gobbler Award this year. Let's let's go back to relatives again. I know you have another one, Ward, you put together. What, what do we got there, Brandon? Uh, yes. Good old Grandpa Politics joins the table. And that is another new award for 2021. Every, like the Drunkle Award, everybody has Grandpa Politics who wants to talk politics and opens their mouth to talk about something nobody really wants to and says something stupid or just complains and says a bunch of stuff that you really probably shouldn't be saying nowadays. I'll leave it at that. That never happens in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> well, Grandpa Politics, the newest award goes to Carlos Correa, who said Derek Jeter doesn't deserve any of his five gold gloves. And yes, Jeter may be overrated to many people, but Carlos Correa probably isn't the best person to say someone wants something that they don't deserve. Hashtag bang, bang. Ooh, hashtag bang, bang. I, I love that. Oh, gosh, man. Maybe you should ask Carlos Correa if it's his time this year. <laughs> oh, oh, grandpa politics. I love it. I love it. Yeah, you know, they're, the whole glass throwing the stone in the glass house that you live in. My gosh, yeah. I, I, how can you open your mouth for a year or two after everything that was done while you were there with the Astros? <laughs> we've talked about grandpa politics but let's talk about the turkey of the year award brandon i mean this this is the culmination of all of the awards this is where we look to and we reached out to to all of our fans all of you out there who who follow us on twitter and friends and family etc i said we've asked you who is that turkey of the year award why don't you go ahead and set up what that turkey of the year award what is actually we're looking for as a qualification on there, Brandon. Oh, uh, yeah. The Turkey of the Year Award, it, it's the granddaddy of all awards. You know, it's the Rose Bowl, the Super Bowl of awards. Everybody wants to win it, but very few qualify for this prestigious award. And pretty much it's like it is. It's the Turkey of the Year. And basically the person who may do the stupidest stuff throughout the year. And you know us very well if you've listened for some time. We like to make fun of people when they do something stupid. <laughs> And we decided to do something different and open it up to 
the audience and some of our friends because we figured, hey, everybody, you know, cooks turkey in different ways. You know, some fry it like Timmy and Jimmy or at least try to, or they just put it in the oven, you know, baste it, all di- smoke it even, all different ways to do it. Even some people put bacon on it when they cook it. I saw a recipe mm. for that. It looked very good. We have some special guests who made their pick for the turkey of the year, Mark, and who are they? Well, let's start with Sarah Sanchez. She's been on the show in the past too, and she has the podcast she's with uh, at Bleed Cubby Blue. Um, anyway, she's she's been fantastic with us. You can also find her at BCB Sarah S A R. So what she said was, I said, okay, Sarah, who, who do you like? Who, who's going to be the turkey? Or she was honestly. Does it ha- doesn't have to be Rob Manfred? <laughs> she, she goes, I mean, from getting booed at every publication to the absolute inept way he handled the chop situation and now heading into CBA negotiations with ideas like slashing the current cap back to 2013 levels. It sort of seems like he's the biggest turkey of them all. <laughs> okay, Sarah. We might, we might have to rename this the Rob Manfred Turkey of the Year Award. Oh, can we? He repeated in, in some people's eyes because remember he won it last year. Yeah, he did. He said, I told her, I said, he swept it. <laughs> he, he won more awards than any one person last year. So Sarah, thanks, man. I'd, I'd have to say that's a, a serious contender. Uh, <laughs> we also, uh, Nick Morawski from uh, good gas talk back podcast and the white Sox. He, uh, he said, you know, Mark, I, I, and he knows this is a, a sticking point for me too during the world series and postseason, he says, he says, he, he said, he won. He loves the concept, of, but he says, there's a lot of turkeys in MLB. And he said, honestly, whoever's in charge of quote unquote, hiding playoff games on bizarre channels at bizarre times deserves a special Turkey award. <laughs> the game is not going to grow when you force fans to subscribe to channels just to watch their hometown team or any MLB team for that matter, can, or any MLB team for that matter, compete in the playoffs. So uh, I have to agree with you. I mean, I was going nuts. I don't know about you during the postseason, trying to find some of these games. TBS, you know, okay, I can find that. MLB Network, okay, do I have to be on that for this one? Or, or YouTube, oh, it's going to be on YouTube. And who, who are these people talking about the game? Uh, I, I felt like it lacked consistency as far as trying to find a station in – there was one or two of them where you actually did have to subscribe to something to, to be able to watch the game. And it was just it's stupid. It's nuts. If you want to grow a business, you don't do it by one, not telling people where you are. Hey, we're opening a store somewhere. <laughs> and, oh, and by the way, if you want to come in, it's going to cost you 20 bucks, but uh, no, you, you, you don't start that way. And I think that's a, a sharp falling of the MLB. Uh, Nick, thank you for that. Again, that's from Nick Morawski of good gas talk back podcast. And again, you can reach him uh, looking for the podcast at GGTB on Twitter. Now I'm going to share mine with you, Brandon. And there, there's several that I could have put in there. Rob Manfred's always, <laughs> he can be in the running. It's, it's, this is a new one because it's kind of a raw wound for me. And that goes to the St. Louis Cardinals for what they did as a team was fantastic, you know, and come back strong. And Mike Schilt, the manager of that team, he, he just was outstanding. So to see at the conclusion of the postseason, 
after all that he did with the Cardinals for them to give him the pink slip. To me, that was the turkey of the year. Um, it, there's a lot of other events and such, I'm sure, that are much bigger, but that thing just stung me, you know. And so I'm giving mine to the St. Louis Cardinals organization, not the team, not the fans, but to the organization that fired Mike Schilt. It's a very interesting nomination. I didn't even think of that. What can I say? I'm crazy. <laughs> I'm crazy. It's, it's kind of out there, but, you know, it's like there's a few things that sting me, and that one's still kind of staying there. That, And you may have guessed that I would have probably said something about the minor league players, but that's a whole thing in and of itself, too, about how they're <laughs> being treated. So yeah. my, my, mostly when I look at the turkeys, how people are treating other people, and that's – she'll – has really got the dirty end of that stick. Well, for the grand finale of the Goofy Gobbler Awards, drum roll again, the turkey of the year goes to the duo of Stu Sternberg and Brian Ald. <laughs> <laughs> These two geniuses, many hail them as smart businessmen. I'm not a very smart business person, but I know it's not a good idea to insult your fan base. And these two brainiacs have done that for the past two, two and a half years consistently. And they hold, or Stu Sternberg at least holds the esteemed honor. And Mark, you know, you, I believe you were there when it happened of making me yell on radio so much. I actually lost my voice for, for your show. Yeah. So he holds the esteemed honor of that. And not only do they have a beautiful design for a stadium in Ybor City, where very easily people like you and me could go on a weekday game to watch a game against anybody very easily. That wasn't good enough because it cost too much money. And reports were that he wanted to only spend $100 million on a billion-dollar stadium. Yeah. But now with the split city concept, they come out and say, Hey, we're, we're willing to go have these. If you are, that doesn't really make much sense to me. Cause you could have put $400 million towards a billion dollar stadium. That would have been a little bit more sensical. People would have, you know, accepted that a little bit yeah. more, even though I personally think you, you know, go have these there. And lastly, the biggest insult to me after a fan, I've lived here all my life. I am 22 years old. Born and raised in Tampa, Florida. This is dude's the biggest idiot I've ever seen. To say they cannot, the city of Tampa, they do not see can support a full-time Major League Baseball team. Now, remind you, they have an NHL team that's a great success, especially over the past decade. Even won an award for being a model franchise in all of sports. That's not American sports. That's all sports, including teams like the Premier League, all those sports goes to a Tampa Bay Lightning, a team in Florida that needs ice to play their sport. And let alone the city of Tampa, that's where everything is. You got the Hard Rock there, the fairgrounds, the amphitheater, downtown Tampa, the big international airport in Tampa. And there's this little event, you may have heard of it, called the Super Bowl. Definitely the biggest event in America, arguably one of the biggest events in all the world. They've only hosted it three times since the turn of the century. So using the excuse of they're not a a major league market, they can't support a full-time baseball season. That just so shows that you're not very smart. 
and you want to insult your fans when really you just moved here, what, two, two and a half years ago? You barely spent any time here. You never showed your face. When you have an owner like Jeff Vinnick, who half of downtown Tampa now is, I call Vinnick's playpen because he's just building whatever he wants. I don't get it, but that's enough rambling from me for now on. I'm rambling through for the year, but just the season to be merry. That's my turkey of the year. Well, that's a good one and very well thought out, by the way. Wow. Thank you, Brandon. And, you know, you do look at somebody like Vinnick who's done so much for sports and for this community. You know, maybe that's a high level to be held to. I think if, if you even came anywhere near there, as far as that kind of approach to the, to, to your game, to your fans, to your community, I'll grant you the Rays do a lot as far as raising funds for the community and doing some things there. And certainly that's true of, of the players. As far as getting it deep and taking care of the fan base, taking care of the players, and telling me that you're going to take my players and for half a year, you're going to put them somewhere else and expect me to be excited about it. No, it, it raises my ire. It really does. I don't know. I, I think you picked well. Oh, but, but we made it a little bit better. Our, our hockey team, which has been pretty successful in the last two years, they played in the Stanley cup final against none other than the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> and they honestly were, two shots off the post from sweeping them in four games, but instead they won it in five. But, you know, hey, you want to try and take our baseball team? Fine. We'll just take your trophy from you. And then we'll dent it and send it back to your city to fix. And one of our guys on his day with the cup will stand outside of the arena and celebrate with it, taking a picture. <laughs> oh, it's great to live in Tampa. I got to tell you, I just... I just wish we had a commitment from an owner for the team, but okay, I get it. All right, Brian off, <laughs> Stu, hey, you, your uh, congratulations, I guess, on getting the Turkey of the Year award. Uh, like I so said, we had some other good candidates, but I, I think that takes the cake, my friend. It was a it was a long and thoughtful process, but at the end of the day, I feel just they were far in a way the best turkey. Yes, they were, but. Oh, well, before we go any further with this Thanksgiving dinner, Goofy Gobbler Awards, uh, one, thanks, Brandon, on putting that together. That was huge. That's something we probably should start with, but we're going to do it now. That's saying grace. <laughs> we're saving grace award. And that kind of is sharing what Thanksgiving's about. And that's being thankful. You know, th this year, I think I speak, I know I speak for myself, <laughs> but I, I think I speak for you as well. Brandon, I mean, the having fans in the stands is just been fantastic to see that. I know it means a lot to the players. It it's adds an excitement you know, to be able to, to, to see that, to be able to, to experience that either in the stands or on TV. That to me is the saving grace this year for the, for Thanksgiving. And I appreciate it. And I appreciate all the people that listened to us too, as well. Yeah, and like you were saying, the fans coming back, I, I'm thankful for that. And we saw it in February with the Super Bowl. The Bucks gave tickets to frontline workers around the, the Bay Area. And yes. That was really special because that was the biggest crowd in the NFL season. And for them to go in there and see their the Bucks win, that was something special. And then just a few months later with the Lightning, 
last year winning the trophy in an empty arena in front of maybe 20 friends and family yeah. come home and win it in a sold out arena at home <laughs> that made it special and just like having the fans in every sport i mean college football finally feels like college football again which we didn't get last year and of course with this show you know thank you everybody for listening and having the fun conversations even though you may not agree with me and mark especially for you the past couple months working with me because i haven't been able to be here as much as i would like but it's always fun and we make it worth it every time we can get together yeah yeah it does and we hope you all enjoy it and again we'll thank you guys for joining us here today but just like at the end of the meal here we kind of kick back enjoy that meal unbuckle the belt just relax you know <laughs> get get ready for the thanksgiving parade and just there sitting with all the old relatives around there some of them walking out the door and say oh goodbye there to uncle joe west <laughs> and who had his last meal at the mlb thanksgiving table so thank you all for joining us here today looking forward to seeing what happens with the Cy young awards tonight and all those who won goofy gobbler awards congratulations and also again thanks to sarah sanchez nick morowski and also uh, mr freeman and thank them for sharing their thoughts on the show as well thank you all and just like sally field says at the oscars you like me you really really like me don't forget to like us wherever you're listening to us uh whether it be on apple google Podcasts, stitcher iHeartRadio. we're glad you're there and we look forward to talking with you guys again real soon happy thanksgiving everybody happy thanksgiving yeah, let me do my turkey call. A gobble, gobble, gobble. A gobble, 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 gobble. I don't think that's going to do it. You've been listening to Baseball Biz. As always, you can find us on your favorite podcast directory, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google.Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and more. Thanks again. And remember, you can also check us out on Twitter at TheBaseballBiz. Take care and have a great week. Special thanks to X-Take RUX for the music rocking forward.